bring your family together with a backyard game court from Sport Court of Austin. Moms love Sport Court because it's an active and safe place for the kids to gather. Dads love Sport Court because he gets to play like a kid again. Kids love Sport Court because all kids love to play. So give your kids a safe place to hang out and have fun. Call 512-335-9779 or go to sportportofaustin.com for more information. If you build it, they will play. Hey, welcome to the Parent Portal Show. It's January 8th. Is that right? January 9th. All right, we're at Jan, Jan 9. Um, start of the new year, beautiful, cool weather day outside in Austin, Texas. A lot of wind last night, a lot of wind this morning. But it's going to be a beautiful day, bright and sunshiny. This is Stephen Nold, host of the Parent Portal Show. Coach Gumbert will be joining us later in the week. We've got another segment with him coming up. Lots of great interviews lined up for this year. It's It's been kind of fun uh, planning out some of the interviews and the content that we're going to have for you this year. Very excited about what the Parent Portal Show is doing and, and the community uh, growth that we've seen and certainly uh, what we've got lined up for you guys in 2024. It's going to be a fun year. There are over 15,000 subscribers. I think we hit 16,000 last night, actually. Um, hey, we appreciate it. We love the subscribers, love the feedback, love the uh, emails. Make sure and keep giving us uh, um, your thoughts um, and help us think about some of the things that we can do for the, the parent community. Um, if you're not a subscriber, join us. Join a, become a, a subscriber, hit your subscriber button. It's somewhere on this page. Uh, Hey, like this episode. If you, if it's the content's good, if it's not, send me an email, let me know it's not good. Um, provide any comments, feedback and hit the bell. If you want to get notifications, of future episodes and when they come in, we got a lot of great content. We're going to be talking, all of this is courtesy of the NCAA, uh, the NIL and the transfer portal. A lot of things to be discussing. It is, uh, you know, and including last night's game, Michigan and uh, University of Washington, uh, UW beat the snot out of Texas and then turned around. And, and, and that actually was a decent game. Texas came back at the end almost. And uh, that was a fun game to watch. But uh, what we saw with Washington a week ago was not the Washington team that we expected to see last night. Uh, Michigan kind of held their place. I have a lot of thoughts about Michigan, more, more specifically about Jim Harbaugh, uh, but I'll hold those for now. We'll just dig into some of this content. So we've got some great topics today. We're going to be talking a little bit about uh, college athletes becoming employees or not becoming employees and why that's probably not going to happen anytime soon. Uh, certainly want to talk about the there, – there's some interesting numbers, finances behind the Washington-Michigan game. And uh, – there's some reasons why uh, it makes all the sense in the world for the Power Five or the the uh, the the the, con the fifth conference, the West Coast Conference, Pac-10. Sorry, Pac-10 blew up, and uh, it's, a lot of it has to do with the finances. Uh, don't don't think for a moment that this isn't still all about the money, all about the finances. Um, you know, we talk about how we're out to promote the kids and do all this great stuff for the kids. I, I wish that were true. Sometimes um, I don't see it. We can get into that a little bit. We're also going to talk about NIL uh, this week and, and discuss how uh, those rights have been 
Uh, NIL rights have been a huge benefit for swimmers. Uh, get into that a little bit. It's gotten interesting for the swimmers. Uh, and also, you know, one of the questions kind of predicting, you know, it's that time of the year where we all kind of look back at what happened last year and the craziness that happened. And then we try to predict or forecast what's going to happen next year. Um, I think one of the things that we're going to see is um, we, this may be the year of uh, donor fatigue. Uh, there's some accountability to these numbers and it's not an endless pot of gold. It could be for some teams. Uh, Texas seems to have some pretty, pretty big funds uh, behind them, but um, at some point in time, the money's going to slow down a little bit. And is this the year 2024 that NIL donors uh, start to ask from accountability perspective, uh, what are we doing with this money? Why are we, why are we getting, why are we getting the results that we're getting if we're kicking this money in, you know, the coaches have stepped up. They've said that in order to buy the quarterbacks that they need, they've got to have bigger checks and the bigger checks are, are written. And when they're written, uh, those alums expect some results and a team that can't produce with the bigger checks is going to um, run into some challenges. So we'll get into that a little bit. So we got a great segment today. A lot of fun. So let's jump into why college athletes are not employees yet and why they may not be employees in time, anytime soon. And this is just kind of based off the, uh, the letter that uh, Charlie Baker sent out on December 5th, uh, that little 2023 proposal uh, letter that he called it, that he sent out a kind of an open letter. Uh, here's, here's what that letter did. He created a new kind of an elite group of schools within the division one uh, bracket that would permit institutions to provide previously prohibited pay-for-play cash. So pay-for-play is still in play and provide unlimited educational benefits. Now, um, Forbes did a great uh, article and assessment of this um, this last week. Um, you know, their assessment, you know, everyone knows, this, uh, you know, Charlie Baker's letter talked about paying at least $30,000 cash per year uh, under this enhanced educational trust funds label. Um, and half of that would be eligible. Half of that money would go to, well, the, the criteria was at least half of all the eligible male and female uh, division one athletes would be eligible for that monies. And, um, so it's a little vague. He didn't really talk in talk that much about how it's being distributed. There's probably some questions around that. There's still some questions around how the medical and some of that works too. Um, the schools will be still able to offer unlimited NIL. Now I said schools instead of collectives. So it kind of raises the question on whether collectives are still going to be in that role. Uh, you know, with some schools, they've done a great job of kind of keeping it at arm's length. Uh, some of these schools, these collectives are starting to get kind of questionable and that's where some of the problems are going to happen. Um, but you know, with all of this done and all this said and where Charlie Baker's going with it, how does he still consider that these college athletes wouldn't be employees? I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand that. And I'm not sure why he 
why he has to keep that position. I know why he has to keep that position because he's trying to save, um, he's trying to save monies for the universities and the conferences. Well, we'll see how that goes. If Charlie Baker's really listening to all these student athletes, like he claimed he did, you know, first of the, before the football season started, when he got hired, he went out and he did this big tour of all these uh, campuses and went to different uh, universities to listen to all these student athletes. I don't know how he doesn't understand that the student athletes would like to have some kind of representation, some kind of protection, some kind of additional leverage at the table is basically what a, a labor union provides. It uh, gives them the chance to step into a stronger negotiating status and be able to protect some of their own player athletes. You're, you're asking the NCAA, this is the whole reason this is an antitrust issue. When there's only one person making this decision, that's a monopoly. That's, that's, that's a problem. So in order to give the student athletes a fair shake, they need to have someone else representing them at the table. But anyway, I won't go too far down that rabbit hole at the moment. Um, so I think that, um, you know, we've said this before, you know, do a real research. If you're going to really say you're collecting feedback from students, then do a formal research effort and actually give student athletes the chance to provide that feedback in a, in a research mechanism that uh, collects um, those answers and that feedback in a way that's unbiased uh, that's not tainted. That's not. Uh, imp that's not. That's just done in a in a standard way. Uh, in a in a way that processes the questions and the answers correctly. You know. So what we run into now is um, what's you know. So why is Charlie Baker doing this? Well, if the NCAA has a judgment against it, it could bankrupt them. There's no doubt that this $4 billion, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. It could be a lot more than $4 billion. But that, that $4 billion lawsuit is going to put the NCAA into instant, instant um, uh, bankruptcy. And it certainly will jeopardize the institutions also. And the, and the FBS, the football bowl series, uh, would have some liability there. So we've we've got to understand that that's why they're still staying so strong with the position that they have. I don't think it's right. I don't think Charlie's doing the right thing. Um, but that, that's, that's what they're scared of. Um, there are four lawsuits currently, um, uh, that are pending. Uh, the, the, there's kind of four major ones. It's the house versus NCAA and the power five. And basically, uh, that one is uh, an injunction that would strike down all NCAA prohibitions uh, on NIL payments, and it would seek damages from three classes of athletes for NIL payments for media rights revenues, which is huge. That is huge. Uh, video game revenues and third-party NIL payments prior to the 2021 interim policy. Um, that's a big thing. Uh, honestly, this is probably one of the most powerful ones and, and probably one of the most damaging ones. And, the, and if the plaintiffs won in this one, um, that would be a, a $4 billion plus, uh, 
settlement. Um, so power conferences certainly have got to figure out uh, how to handle that. Then there's Johnson versus NCAA, and that just states that the Division I athletes are employees under the Fair Labor Standards Act, and they should receive back pay for five years prior to the filing of the complaint and at least the federal minimum wage for their time spent playing the college sport. Um, fairly fairly reasonable. I, I mean, any, any normal uh, um, employer – uh, would have to face those exact same terms. Uh, the NCA and the Division One member institutions would also face paying back pay and have to continue paying minimum wage going forward if they lost or if they didn't settle uh, that lawsuit. The third one is the athletes in the Hubbard and McCarroll versus NCAA. And, the, and the, under this, is, is basically it's a class action lawsuit under the Sherman Act that, that says they're entitled to cost of attendance shortfalls. So the difference between the NCAA's previous tuition, required fees, room, board, and book scholarship limit, and the full cost of an education as established by the institution's Office of Student Financial Aid according to the Federal Student Financial Aid Guidelines plus $5,980, I don't know how they got that number, in cash or educational benefits and that's termed the Alston Academic Awards. Those institutions began paying these costs of attendance shortfalls in June 2021 as a result of Alston versus NCAA Supreme Court ruling, and the plaintiffs are seeking back payments from 2018 to 2019, 2019 to 2020, and it's ranging from five to 20,000 eligible athletes who may be owed $2 million to $1 billion in damages if the NCAA loses that case. And then the final one, athletes in the Carter versus NCAA, and this was on December 7th, so it's just recently filed uh, in 2023, class action on behalf of the Division I FBS football and men's and women's basketball under the Sherman Act, so this is the basketball group, seeking back market value compensation from the NCAA and the Power Five conferences for the past five years. Statute of limitations kind of holds it to five years. And there's an injunction permitting such payments in the future. This case includes an allegation that Baker's December 5th proposal is evidence that amateurism is not a justification under antitrust laws for not paying athletes. It's a good point. It's a very good point. All right, so what is Baker walking himself into here? And the problem is, is these antitrust lawsuits are all pending. Uh, they're going to happen. It's just going to take a long time for them to happen. And he knows he could play the settlement card at any point in time. So at any point in time between now and even after the verdict is reached, gets a little bit harder once you get a verdict, but he can always come back in and say, you know what, we're going to settle and here's what we're going to settle out at. Um, and that would certainly be an option. However, if he knows he's got the settlement card, why do it today? There's no need to these, these court actions can go on appeal and they can, and they can be negotiated. Uh, you know, if he's still waiting on this magic bullet with Congress to get involved, which we all know is not going to happen, said it many times, not going to happen. Um, 
then he could hold this out for years and maybe after the election is over. Maybe that's his game plan now is to wait until after uh, the presidential election this year and uh, see where he can get with that. Uh, certainly under with the states, uh, uh, well, with the current state of these cases, uh, none are really going to be resolved anytime soon. Um, and there would always be an, uh, an appeals process. So no one court has ruled that college athletes are statutory employees under the Federal Labor Standards Act or the National Labor Relations Act or any state employment law. So that's pretty important because that's that 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 would be a significant kind of next step. I think Baker understands that. And I think what he's doing is he's kind of playing the long, long game here. There's no light switch that's going to be turned on uh, that's going to declare college athletes um, that are, are employees the next day. So Baker definitely has time to explore alternatives. Now, does he have this congressional legislative play up his sleeve despite all that's going, you know, what does, what does he have? What kind of, there's about seven or eight, I think things that are pending in Congress bills and drafts and things like that. Nothing's going anywhere yet. So it's not, it hadn't happened yet. Uh, but the problem for Baker is that these, these things are going to take time. Uh, Cruz, Ted Cruz, our Texas Senator, um, got involved a little bit and he drafted an NIL bill, um, that he is going to try to champion. Uh, it's, it's a draft at this point. Uh, and it kind of gives the NCAA everything it wants. It's, it's, uh, saying that college athletes would not be considered federal employees, uh, it would say that all the state laws uh, and all the college uh, compensation programs, uh, the NIL, the employee status, all of that would be preempted by federal law. So whatever Congress decides, which is the way it works, if Congress decided that this all would fall underneath uh, the federal jurisdiction, federal laws, then all that goes away and kind of wipes the board clean. NCA would probably receive the most important part of it is the antitrust exemption. That's what they're looking for. That's that what's that's what gives them kind of the ability to be the king again and be the monopoly over all of these programs and to have uh, all the athletes kind of kowtow back to what the NCAA says the rules are. I think it would be very unpopular. I think there's going to be a lot of legislators that are not going to sign up with this idea because you know, even in a, uh, an election year, it's huge, huge hot potato, huge. I mean, that's that's not a hot potato. That's uranium, <laughs> radioactive uranium. Uh, but um, after the election, I still don't see uh, Congress being excited about this. I, I think the sentiment uh, around the country is that, that this needs to change and for the NCAA to kind of keep their heads buried in the sand and try to keep this antitrust legislation going on, this antitrust uh, approach is, is old school. It's just uh, the wrong way to do it anymore. So, so what do we do? So we got, um, we've got this cruise draft. Uh, it almost sounds like it was drafted by Charlie Baker and the, um, uh, the power four institutions, not the power five, the power four institutions. Um, but it would certainly be a Holy grail if they got this passed. I, I wouldn't bet on it. 
uh, I don't think Cruz has got the uh, ability to carry this forward. I don't think he's got the support. Uh, I don't see this happening anytime soon. There are seven other congressional NIL bills. There's no clarity on NIL. They're avoiding mentioning employee status, which is, that is a little bit of a hot potato too. Um, that causes a lot of challenges. Uh, we saw the transfer portal regulations that the NCAA had tried to keep in place a couple of months ago. We saw that get knocked down pretty quickly by the courts. Um, and, um, you know, what we're seeing right now is that the, the actual courts are the ones that are, are making the, the rules up. Now, states are making rules up, too, but the courts are going in and clarifying uh, what they see. And that's that's going to be a problem. That's absolutely going to continue to be a challenge for a lot of these uh, programs. Um, it, it, the, the problem with that and why that's not a good thing is courts get involved and they uh, they have to deal with it on a piece by piecemeal basis. So they just they they clarify one part of what they feel is the correct way to do it. I mean, just the fact that you've got four different lawsuits pending means that there's a court trying to decide each one of those uh, topics, those questions. And if there's not any precedence on this, they're going to have to kind of create their own uh, standards and their own guidelines on how this works. Some courts can overrule other courts, appeals process, and it, who knows, will this get all the way up to the Supreme Court? I hope not. I really hope not. That would just be such a waste of time, but um, it could be. Uh, absent any kind of federal law, though, uh, the state legislation is really messy, mainly because each state has different rules. So here you've got all these states that are trying to set up and only have jurisdiction over their own institutions. So they're going to put in rules. They're going to protect their institutions. They're going to protect the money. Probably not going to protect the athletes. They may give a little more to the athletes. They certainly are allowing the NIL, which is you know, that ended up being good for the athletes. But beyond that, it ends up being kind of crazy and silly that we're having to piecemeal it. But again, this is all because of the vacuum power that the NCAA created when they backed away from putting out the standards and and jumping in in a coherent, conclusive way with how this process and guidelines should work. So anyway, even if the courts, the federal courts were to decide that uh, college athletes are uh, statutory employees under federal law, then we'd have to deal with state labor laws. Um, that would certainly require a federal pre pre preemption, which happens. That could happen very easily. Um, a lot of states will probably look to other states. Michigan and Ohio have gone uh, pretty uh, positive um, They've, they've had a lot of definition around employee um, and they've decided that athletes, student athletes are not employees right now. So, um, you know, this is an uphill battle for student athletes. It's, it's certainly one they can win. They've, they've got a lot on their side right now, um, mainly because they're the ones who, who uh, <laughs> they're the ones creating the money. Right. And when you're the one that's bringing the money in the door, um, you have a tendency to have a little more discussion at the table, um, and especially if you're organized. And that's one of the things that I think has helped a little bit is the students have come together. 
um, and tried to uh, address this issue or bring this to a forefront so that it does get addressed. So where are we right now? We're, we've got a hodgepodge of rules all across the States. Um, you know, it is concerning when we start getting into how high schools, uh, students are going to be treated and what their opportunities are. I think there's 32 States now that allow high school students to take money. That's, that's crazy. Um, I think there's no clear definition of what that looks like. Um, and it could cause some problems for kids leaving States to go play for other States. I just heard that as a potential something happening from, uh, a, an athlete moving from Texas to Oklahoma, um, to just for that exact reason. And, uh, to me, that's just, that's sad. That that's the state that we're in. Uh, is it going to get solved this year? Probably not. Are the courts going to keep more moving forward with it? Yes, they will. That's, that's what they do. Um, will NCAA will, well, will Charlie Baker, um, uh, you know, excuse my French, pull his head out of his butt. Um, but, uh, and, and start to realize that he's on the wrong side of this equation. I doubt it. Uh, I think Charlie Baker's number days are numbered. Um, I think he's been a, a big waste of time. Um, don't know the guy personally. Uh, but I would say that some of his energy and efforts have been, um, difficult to understand. So stay tuned. We're going to see where it goes. It's going to be, uh, sorry to, <laughs> sorry to start on such a negative topic, but that's where we are. That's where NCA is. I loved it. We'll get into a lot more exciting and fun things to talk about, but it, it's good to have that foundation and that background as we go into 2024. Got a lot of thoughts about what kids need to be working on and thinking about, uh, for their community and for their, uh, for what they're going to be going into this summer. A lot of spring activities, a lot of spring, uh, games and uh, athletic endeavors going to happen this year. Um, we'll have fun with it. For nearly 50 years, Town & Country Sports has been the heartbeat of youth sports in North Austin, promoting fair play, sportsmanship, and most importantly, fun. TNC Sports is for kids of all ages, no matter the skill level, and we encourage the whole family to get involved. Right now, registration is open for soccer, flag football, baseball, girls volleyball, softball, lacrosse, and more. Space is limited. Don't wait. Sign up today at tncsports.org. TNC Sports. Come play with us.